there's also other studies that show that in homogenous groups, you're less likely to share different views, to phrase different opinions because you want to belong to that group. Whereas in a more diverse setting, you're more open because you already see or know, okay, these people are different from me. They're probably more open if I share a different opinion. Welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Welcome along, everybody. It's great to be here with you again. This week, my guest is Susan Fisher. Susan is a co-founder of Collective MFG, whose software Calva is designed to make meetings more equitable by putting structure around the meeting purpose and orientation and also giving time and space allotments for everyone to speak and also providing feedback to the meeting facilitator from participants about how they felt the meeting went. We go into Susan's path to entrepreneurship, which as you know, I always find really interesting and some of the nuts and bolts of the, of the tool of the software and how it works. Big thank you to Susan for being on the program and big thank you to you for listening. Kick back, relax, and enjoy this one. And we'll see you next Thursday on the Bro Nouveau Podcast. Okay, good morning, good afternoon, Suzanne. How are we doing? Welcome to the Bro Nouveau Podcast. Thanks so much for inviting me. Good morning. Yeah, for sure. My pleasure. So I am definitely curious and uh, looking forward to our conversation uh, as you are a founder and have a marketing background and then went into this uh, diversity and inclusion space, creating a, a software um, aiming towards that. So definitely really curious to hear about the the product and, you know, your, your path to it, but how about uh, kind of your background and how can you do a little introduction for the, for the listeners, please? Sure. Hi, I'm Susan Fisher. I'm born and raised in Berlin and um, in the past 11 years, I've been working in digital marketing for various software and hardware companies, uh, building digital products, apps, software. And four years of that, I worked at Facebook as a partner manager for the ad space, but also then later for developer products like Messenger and Login. And yeah, almost a year ago, I decided to quit my job and found my own company. I was very lucky to have two other friends joining me on this journey. And together we founded Collective MFG with the mission to build software that improves inclusion, equity, diversity at the workplace. And now we are at the phase where we have our first product lined up. Uh, we have the first alpha tests and ready to launch in February. So that's very exciting. Um, yeah, it took me a couple of years to come to the point where I'm now obviously uh, working uh, as an employee, now becoming a founder. So lots of things I've learned in the past years, definitely. Nice. What was the jumping point or turning point for you to leave your kind of steady job? Because that's happened a lot, right? There's been a lot of people who like the great resignation is the kind of term that I've heard tossed around about it over here. So what led to that moment for you? 
I finally found that I was ready to do it. I always had hesitated and I thought there's still things that I should learn before I do that. And then um, also during the pandemic, I felt like now I have to do something that's really worth getting up for in the morning uh, after four years in the same job. I was like, okay, I'm just ready to do something new. And I felt also I'm ready to try something on my own. So you had a, you said you were getting up at 4 a.m. every day? No, work? after four oh. years working oh, okay, yeah. at Facebook, I was like, okay, <laughs> like for four years, I more or less, um, I worked for the same company in different positions, but still I was like, okay, um, I feel ready now to build my own company after 11 years of work experience. So it was like, okay, now, now's the time to do it. Great. And the, how about the pandemic experience too? Cause that's actually something that, you know, I actually haven't talked a ton about on the program shockingly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what did you, what did you, I guess, how was the vibe in Berlin? Was it, was it totally shut down? And then what did you kind of learn about yourself? And I imagine you were with your partner a good bit yeah. <laughs> in, in the house potentially. <laughs> so yeah. How, how did that go from just from like a personal, a personal perspective? Yeah, it was interesting because the first wave hit really late in Germany. I think other countries in Europe were um, had a way more rough start than Germany did, but then it hit hard as well. And we had the first lockdown, which was three weeks. Then the second one was three months. And then next one's like now we're in the fourth wave and there's potentially new lockdown on the horizon. But yeah, being at home full time was a huge change. I was used to working from different offices, working remote, working from home. Um, I was really flexible, traveling for work quite a lot, like three days out of five, I was traveling for the job. So being at home full time was definitely a change. And especially without having the opportunity to go out and to have um, something to counter sitting at home all day. I mean, I was still in a very privileged position because I had the tech equipment. The company was well equipped to allow everyone to work from home. And we even got bonuses to have a better setup at home. So uh, I think mm -hmm. compared to a lot of my friends, uh, I still had a jackpot when it comes to the working from home setup situation. And I don't have a family at home. So I know friends with children had it way harder to organize around that uh, because also schools and um, kindergarten closed. So it it hit a lot of people way harder than me. So for me, it was also a good way to reflect how privileged I am in the situation that I was also working in the tech space. A lot of other friends in the tech industry, companies were way more understanding than in other sectors like retail or healthcare, where it it was just crazy, and of course, like the situation there was was different. Totally, yeah, that's a very good perspective piece, and kind of led into your the collective company. Yes, I would definitely. <laughs> it was definitely also eye opening, just working from home, working digitally, seeing the challenges that we still have, even coming from a tech background, working in a tech company that now that everyone is remote, there's new challenges. Um, there is a need for new technical solutions. And again, seeing how 
hard conversations are and how hard it is to communicate with others if you can't see them face to face. And also that was definitely inspiring us to think about how can we help facilitate better conversations? How can we look, how can we find ways to improve conversations in a professional setting? Because we also saw that from the statistics, um, minorities, women, people from um, different backgrounds had it way harder to participate in these virtual meetings. So people that were already at a disadvantage had even more disadvantages joining from home. Um, the less space you have at home, the harder it is to um, have, like if you have a family of five and your children need to study for, for school and you have to work and your partner has to work, it's like the if you have it in a small space, it's um, mm -hmm. harder to facilitate that if you're just on your own um, with a laptop. Totally. So, um, that also uh, yeah, had, kept us wondering how can we is there something that we can do to improve that nice how was that data collected was it like survey style internally or did it come from a, a third party yeah we both so we interviewed about 20 to 50 friends just asked them how they communicate at the moment what kind of tools do they use what challenges they face and they're hundreds of studies when it comes to communication, the rise of virtual communication, but also diversity and inclusion in general. So we went through all those studies to find what is the biggest pain point, what might be worth or easy to solve technologically, because there's a lot of things that you can't just change by using a tool, but uh, we were looking for ways where software potentially can help to ease out those challenges nice okay so it's almost like a uh like a research paper or similar mindset like find a gap in the market or find a gap in the the current state and what can you provide as a solution yeah exactly in the beginning it was and it, it, it like it was a real iteration process in the beginning we more thought of how can we use um, like different communication techniques and design thinking methods in a virtual settings. And there are these virtual whiteboards and we started using them. And in the end we came to like, okay, this is nice. And it's a tool that helps us facilitate these um, conversations. But if you don't plan the meeting, if you don't plan the workshop, it's worth nothing. So then we pivoted more to, okay, let's think about how can we help people to plan meetings and then to moderate meetings because that's where we found out is the biggest pain point because a lot of people are stressed, don't know how to prepare, or we just don't think about what needs to go into preparing a meeting so that it's really inclusive and equitable. We then looked into those studies and those data points more deeply, again, asked our friends and families and tried to see if, if the hypothesis is valuable. And we uh, agreed that it is. So we looked even more into this. And then we started building Calva, which is the name of the software um, that we as collective MFG are now building. And since then, since May this year, we are building on that software to yeah, facilitate meetings online. Awesome. So what are the 
uh, I guess the fundamentals are like the, the foundational facts around in-person meetings and the impact for, or like the participation for uh, minors or women in, in a professional setting. And then how do they map to the digital space? Are they similar kind yeah. of observations or are there, are there differences? They're actually pretty similar. And it comes down to four critical points that we mapped out. One is unconscious biases. Like if, or there, there are unconscious biases and they play a role, how can we communicate? And if you don't consider them as part or that they're real, this can be harmful. Then there is differences in gender identity, uh, sexuality, and there are a lot of studies about how men and women behave in meetings. And it actually is um, proven that women speak 25% less when also men are present in the meeting. And especially white men are more prone to interrupt others and dominate the room in intrusive ways. Then there's cultural differences. And there have been a lot of books written about it, but it's, it is that Western and especially East Asian culture is completely different um, when it comes to turn-taking, how we facilitate conversations. Someone from um, East Asia might not be comfortable to just jump into a conversation, anticipating the end of my sentence and just continuing. Um, they are more waiting um also to show, okay, I've heard you, if I understand you, I give you mm -hmm. time or give me time to let that think in, and then I will respond to show respect. And if you are in a meeting that is more, um, has more of a Western setting, we would be like, oh, why doesn't the person never jump into the conversation? Why don't they say something? Whereas we just not facilitate the meeting towards their cultural preference or how they've been raised. So that's that's a big point. And the last one is there's different personalities. There are people that are more shy. There's people that feel happy to speak up in any moment and give their five cents, two cents. Um, and there's people who just like to have some time to write feedback down. So, yeah, those are the four big things. Cultural differences, unconscious biases, gender differences, and... Um, Personality. Personality. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Cool. That's, yeah, that's very interesting. And good to keep in mind, especially the, the over speaking or the interrupting thing from men. Um, yeah. Cause I think that in a male, it's like an all male environment that's pretty consistent. And maybe especially if, the group isn't like good friends or that's kind of like more acquaintances or in a business setting. It definitely does like feel like it's like a, a banter that like keeps rolling and it's kind of like yeah. get on the bus or, or get off the bus attitude. But I can totally see that in the, in the workplace, how that wouldn't be at, um, what's the word? It wouldn't be helpful or productive. <laughs> <laughs> and especially because everyone brings their own baggage, right? Like, yeah. And their own experiences and things that may prevent them from participating in a meeting or kind of feel uncomfortable to do so. 
Um, Even among men, it's interesting. Also, there's studies who specifically studied wild male manager behavior. And also there are some interesting findings that show that even in a homogenous male-wide setting, male participants still want to be heard. And their biggest fear is that um, they are not seen, that they are not wanted. And the thing is, in there's also other studies that show that in homogenous groups, you're less likely to share different views, to phrase different opinions because you want to belong to that group. Whereas in a more diverse setting, you're more open because you already see or know, okay, these people are different from me. They're probably more open if I share a different opinion. It's also why diversity is such a big, um, important thing. Of course, not in every company, um, there is, there are diverse teams. Um, that's something that most of the companies now are addressing. They're hiring more diverse teams, which is really good. But then still is if you have a diverse group, Are you facilitating conversations to everyone or just the same Western white male mm. kind of settings you always use because that's what you know, instead of trying to facilitate conversations and meetings in a different style that is more inclusive to different cultures, to different personalities, and not just more like, like that you would always do. And as you said, also what sometimes can be a problem is that these groups that grew even in the company that like these boys clubs that have more chit chat on the golf course or whatever sports they do afterwards. Um, whereas mm -hmm. then other people come in, don't have that access, don't have the chit chat that is off work. Um, right, so offline. also like if you don't have all information on hand as others have, it, it can also be um, exclusive as well. Totally. How about eye contact in digital meetings? What I was taught is to look basically like when I'm not speaking, look at the camera, even though it's kind of ironic because you think, you know, I'm not actually looking at you, but to, to give the perception of I'm looking at you, I look at the camera, right? <laughs> Don't overthink it. Like if you're just like focusing, okay, I have to look at the camera. I can't look at my coworkers. Like that's also create tension, can create right, tension. Right, right, right. So, um, I mean, if you can like try to place your camera on eye height, so you're not looking down on people or looking up, mm. like try to be on the same level, um, as you would mm -hmm. do in a meeting where you like try to be, be on eye level. So that can be helpful. Um, of course, like try to keep eye contact, but if you're in a conversation, there's like five different faces on the screen, like look at your team members, like you, you, that's the only way you can connect with them. So don't overstress that point. Nice. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So let's talk about Calva, the, the actual sure. software. So. Yeah, what are the the kind of nuts and bolts of the the platform, and what does it what does it offer to a company's meetings? Yes, so Calva is designed for companies that facilitate a lot of meetings with at least four people. We think Calva can be beneficial to any meeting with four attendees or more, and. The main part of Calva is it helps you to create a meeting agenda and to set meet 
uh, speaking times, and then it moderates your meeting automatically. So the, all of the work goes into creating an agenda and it's step-by-steps help you to, as I said, create an agenda with intention. So each agenda item, the tool will help you to set goals, to prepare um, the documents or link to the documents, any kind of information that's needed for everyone to participate for that specific agenda item to motivate you to create Q&As for that specific agenda item or votings so you can reach to a decision. And we also encourage to do that anonymously. So it's not about who said what or who gave that feedback and how was it delivered, but what's the actual feedback? Let's talk about that. Mm. And then it helps you to calculate speaking time. For example, you have an agenda item, you want to get an update from your team, you have five team members, and you say, ah, usually we only need 10 minutes, then a tool will tell you, look, each attendee in this agenda item will have two minutes to speak, do you think this is sufficient? And then you probably start thinking about, well, like this person from marketing always talks five minutes, There, sometimes we only have one minute, (laughs) maybe that's because we only have one minute left. So it's like, okay, maybe we need 15 minutes instead of 10 minutes. And then a tool will help you. Okay, now you have three and a half minutes per attendee. And then once you finish creating your agenda, the tool will tell you, okay, in total, you invited 10 people, but only five of them are speaking. And within the five of them who are speaking, even there, the time is differently allocated. So there's a lot of nudges that help you to give everyone at the table at your meeting a voice and also an equal speaking time. And then there's a motivation to include different ways of interacting, like votings and Q&As, written feedback. So it's not only words that lead the conversation uh, or not only spoken words, but you have like different tools to integrate. And then once you start the meeting, all of what you set in the meeting agenda will automatically play. So you will have an overview. Okay, who's the speaker now? How much time is left? Who will speak next? And this will accompanied by visual and sound feedback. So you will get a beep um, when there's like only one minute left of your speaking time and there's the next speaking item. So this takes away all the pressure from the meeting organizer to moderate and it can be be stressful for meeting moderators to always say, look, John, you always go over time. Like again, it can create retaliation because usually it's the minorities that speak up and say, look, I never get something to say, or it's always that person that interrupts me. If a software does that, it's just a tool. Like you can, for, you can blame the tool, but you won't be as personal as if you would blame your meeting organizer or your coworkers. Right. Totally. So um, yeah, that's, that's more or less it. That's awesome. So the structure of it sounds cool too, because it helps the organizer prepare. Yes. And kind of get their thoughts together because I can, yeah, especially, I guess in any, I was going to say in a startup, but in, in any organization, there's always competing priorities, lots of tasks, you know, I have to prioritize which one is most important and, especially if it's like a standing meeting, I can see that standing meetings sometimes lose their efficacy mm-hmm. or their focus. And I, you know, even from like a manager's perspective, 
if they use the tool to prepare and then say, you know what, actually t- today, like this topic or this, um, deliverable isn't a priority or isn't, we've already done it or it's not required right now, whatever the thing is, then they can pivot and maybe make it, you know, either a different topic to make it, you know, productive or look at it as like, Hey guys, we actually have a free 15 minutes. Like let's talk about anything but work and get to know each other. Exactly. Yeah. It's also good for expectation setting. Like everyone who's invited know what will be discussed. What's the expectation? Like how is it delivered? And having that agenda gives everyone a reason to sit at the table, know what's expected now, how they should participate. So if someone's not on it, they can raise concerns beforehand or um, give feedback afterwards. Um, one of the big parts um, if, of Calva is also that at the end of every meeting, there's a little survey that asks how inclusive was the meeting, how productive was the meeting, and were you able to say everything that you had to say. And this statistic is added to what the meeting itself was, like how well speaking times were kept, how much time you went over. So this is also then for the meeting organizer statistically um, aggregated. So you can see if there is a progression. Um, so all, again, to nudge you to prepare meetings better. And it's interesting because like in the user tests now, we almost every meeting organizer manager that we had, we asked them beforehand, do you think you create equal inclusive meetings? <laughs> and nearly everyone was like, yes, I do. And then they used Calva <laughs> and then they were like, no, I know that I never did. <laughs> so like forcing yourself to sit down to create a meeting agenda for 10 minutes for a meeting that might be only 30 minutes or an hour really makes you think, do I need this meeting? Who do I want here? What kind of conversation I want to facilitate? And having that structure helps everyone and really minimizes all of the conflicts, the four conflicts that I talked about uh, a bit earlier. So the tracking of the speakers, is it is it like a manual system where the moderator will say, okay, number person one should be done? Or is it kind of like, is there some AI component or some element that tracks, like assigns a number to, or like a, identifies each person and then tracks their length automatically? Yeah, at this stage, unfortunately, it's not automatically um, the meeting organizer has to push, okay, next, like we're done here, has to do it manually now, only because we don't work on the APIs of Zoom and Meets and all these other virtual mm-hmm. conference systems now. At the moment, it's a browser application, so it can be used in any video meeting via mm-hmm. screen sharing or hybrid meetings or in-person meetings. As long as you have a screen, you can just display Calva and the moderation um, cool. work. So it's just part of your presentation. We do plan to integrate it better. Like the less manual work, the better, but for the launch, it will be a bit manual. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's not easy to get on that zoo marketplace. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I have to be, we have a, an application that runs with zoom and it took forever to get the integration. Um, <laughs> but that's cool. Yeah, that's great. And it'd be cool too to like potentially have like a dashboard or 
like, uh, yeah. as you said, aggregates and like an overview and say, <laughs> then it's also interesting because then this gets into like the ethics question or the, what happens with that data now, you know, who, and can that data be used to, you know, for, to like reward or penalize offenders or succeeders who are like super, you know, in the lines or people who are not. And like, is that fair? And who gets access to that data? Who gets to see it? You know, yeah. how is it used in feedback in, in performance conversations? Like it's kind of a, it's cool. It, it really is like the, a new frontier, you know, of work, but I think it's good because we're all, we are virtual and this style is not going to go anywhere. So we might as well have, you know, extra tools to help us navigate it. Yeah, we don't want to point fingers. So at the moment and how we plan it, it's the meeting organizer that has the access to that data. We will aggregate the data anonymously just to see if we can create benchmarks for companies or industries even to also yeah. help the public um, debate around inclusive meetings, diversity, inclusion, equity in general. But we really want the software to be fun and to it's more the positive rewards if you do something great like you will get positive feedback if you don't do something that great um we know it's not always in your hands if you have people in the meeting that are intrusive like there's only so much the software can do like it can help facilitate those conversations it can help to um reduce interruptions and but, but in the end, like it's not always the meeting organizer to blame. So negative feedback will be very subtle. <laughs> and it's more about, okay, like let's use the positive feedback and the positive rewards to motivate everyone to participate. For sure. Nice. So what's the, um, what's the vision or what's the, what are your goals for, for the company, let's say for 22? Our goal is definitely to like in February, we want to launch and we going to start to work with companies in the EU and the UK to start or yeah, to start have them, uh, to have Calva available and to grow with these companies to learn from them, to add new features, maybe have uh, access to different APIs that now we see, okay, the most companies that work with us are using this and that tool. But I think the main vision is really, we want to start with company that already have DE&I departments that take DE&I seriously, that have diverse teams and want to work better together. And then the really big vision for the next five years is to also reach companies that don't care as much or don't have a big DE&I priority because we think every company will profit from that. Starting with companies that are already more open towards those technologies and those methods um, are definitely a great start. And I think we can learn with them together. Totally. Yeah, that's the, I think, a, a hinging argument, right? To Because... There are people who, whose morals will, you know, inspire them to, whether it's on a personal level or a professional level at work, kind of do better and be more inclusive and be more empathetic. But there are people who will not, 
be motivated intrinsically like that. Yeah. And so it's like, how, how do, how do we inspire those people to care, you know, and look outside of themselves in some way? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we hope, we, we kind of hope that Calva will do that just by design because there is more, there will be more equal speaking time. There will be more moderation. So best case scenario, people will be able to be open up and to share their voice that haven't been able to previously. Usually that leads to better conversation. Usually that leads to people to realize, oh, that person is smart, even though they never said something before. And hopefully this will help to reduce some biases. Um, so we really hope that just by design, by adding more structure, it can really help to live diversity, inclusion, and equity. Nice. So what, from like a starting the business perspective too, what are the, your other co-founders, what do they bring on the, from their experience? So your marketing and sales is what I saw. Yes, exactly. As far as your, your department. <laughs> yeah. So there's Jennifer. Um, she's, um, living in Switzerland at the moment, she's been a product designer um, for 12 years now. So she has a big background also in building B2B software as a service products. And then there's Caroline. Um, she has a great background in UI UX design, is a freelancer five years now. She lives in Dresden. So all of us work remote. <laughs> so we practice that as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, we have three women who founded the business. We have technical partners who are developing the software before we hire people internally. And then we also work with DE&I experts who help us more from the theoretical side. So they are either working or are in university and they are um, a great resource for feedback, for studies, for our hypotheses, because like we worked in different fields than DE and I, like the, we are new to that space. We know all about how to build a software, how to, how to um, create technology, but the facts and the data on diversity, equity, inclusion is new for us. Of course, being a woman, we all have faced some form of mistreatment or microaggressions or exclusion because of our agenda, but there's more to it than just our experiences. Totally. Yeah. And that's a good thing. I think for the male audience members to remember is that like our experiences as men and work, you know, are very different than what a, a, a friend who's a woman or a sister or a family member, you know, experience. And that's a good conversation to start and ask too, and be like, Hey, you know, this idea came across my, my table that, you know, this, my experiences at work might be different than yours. What do you think about that? And then be, be curious and ask, right? Because I've, I've certainly had those conversations and, um, yeah, it's just a good, it's a good thing to, to keep in mind. Um, how has it been kind of pitching this concept and, how has it been received so far? 
so far we got a lot of uh, raving positive feedback. Um, we don't even have a product yet. Like we have a prototype we're testing and we're working on mm -hmm. the actual product, but we already have partnerships, for example, with the female factor, it's a global um, network for uh, female um, male, no, uh, for women in management um, mm -hmm. or who want to um, just be more empowered. And it's, I think we're at the right time, at the right place now with a lot of people working hybrid or just virtually. Also because the conversation on diversity is growing a lot of more companies. Um, there is more asks, more um, like everyone is stating, yes, more diversity and inclusion and work is good for everyone. So the feedback so far has been really positive. We, as I said, like testing with the um, first companies and the first users, the feedback there is also super um, positive. So we're really um, looking forward to to launch. Nice, awesome. Yeah, on the theoretical side too. If any of the other guests I've had, if you want to connect with them, I'm happy to connect you with them, just to kind of get the American. Um, perspective, I guess. And um, yeah, my company certainly, it's interesting too, because we have, I would say we're a pretty diverse company and, you know, have women in senior leadership, but I think it'd be interesting too, to kind of see, you know, in a more structured way, like how, <laughs> how are we doing? <laughs> yeah. It, and it's not just only like, okay, there's one woman now, um, there's one black person and you're like, oh, this tokenization can be also mm. um, a tough thing because if you are a minority, you already feel a lesser sense of belonging. And I certainly had those experiences when I was the only woman in the room and I said something and the feedback was negative towards what I said. I'm like, is that because my idea was bad or is it because I'm a woman like you or I questioned myself way more than my male colleagues had to because they were more certain in their identity and their belonging to the meeting. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something that your listeners or everyone should keep in mind. Um, it, it, it really can hold people back, not feeling a sense of belonging and that the structure and the environment you create in a conversation can really turn how someone interacts with, with a group. For sure. Great, great takeaway and good to keep in mind. And yeah, thank you for creating this concept too. I think, I think it has a huge potential and could really help, Thank you. A lot of yeah, companies and managers be more intentional with their our meetings and make it you know less tr kind of pull it down from like a theoretical yes, like I care about inclusion inclusion <laughs> and make it more of a uh, a tangible thing. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, let's um, let's pop over to the, the three things game. This is the sure. Uh, <laughs> the hallmark of the, of the Bruno podcast. So which, um, or which, what month is your birthday in? April. April. Okay. Your birthday is coming up first. So you'll go first and then I'll get a separate question after this. Okay. What are three things you have learned about listening? First 
it's really important to have the intention to really listen. There's a difference between just listening and checking my phone or what's outside, what's happening, really having the attention to listen. That was actually two years ago, my New Year's resolution to really start more listen intentionally um, because mm. just there was so much happening in life that I realized I'm not listening that much. Then give more room when you listen, like not always giving feedback, not, not just because someone tells you something, they don't expect feedback. Sometimes they just want to share what they've experienced, what they have on their mind. And if there is feedback, I try more now asking questions so they can answer for themselves. So it's more guiding the conversation, asking different questions like, have you experienced this in the past? How have you dealt with this previously? And not just, okay, this is my experience to that. So not one up um, the experience, right. but really to go deeper into the conversation. Nice. Those are great. Yeah. I really like the one about not giving feedback and actually just, just absorbing it and saying, thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> and like, exactly. Not feeling, not feeling compelled to like, yeah. Give uh, an opinion, follow up. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another kind of tool I've learned recently is around is it's more for like a relationship, but like, I think it can be applied to any conversation that we, we care about would be like, say someone says something you could, the follow up would be, did I get it? So like, this is my understanding of what you're saying and is, is there more or is that all? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you said, kind of giving a prompt to, to let them fully express whatever, you know, they're trying to express. Yeah, it's, uh, again, yeah, that's really good feedback also for meetings, paraphrasing like, okay, this is what I got from your feedback. Do I get, did I get that right? Um, it's going to be really helpful to help understand each other. Totally. And prevent conflict and miscommunications. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Cause, yeah, because we can say something in a meeting and be like, I was so clear and direct. How could anyone not understand that? But yeah. in someone else's mind, they're completely not. Yeah. <laughs> Not aware. So, okay. Here's my question. Um, what are three things nature has taught me? Hmm. I think that nature is definitely healing and it is something that I, every time I get out a ways, it kind of feels great, but then I, I don't, I don't do it enough. I don't know. I feel like I am a very outdoor kind of active person, but it's not always like in, in nature properly. So that's one to kind of get good reminder to be, be around it more. Um, I think it can be anywhere too, a little bit, like it doesn't have to be on the flip side of that. You know, if like we're both in cities, like there are ways to find kind of serenity or, or peace wherever you are, whether that's like going above the city and looking down on it, or if you're near water, going in the water and kind of getting away that way. Um, and then three, yeah, I mean, nature, just climate change. Like I don't, it's a whole other conversation, but it's something that I'm kind of like 
at least here in America, people just don't prioritize it. And I'm like wondering what are the consequences of that going to be <laughs> yeah. in our lifetime? Cause we'll probably see it in our lifetime. We already are. Right. But yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fridays for future was definitely for me an inspiration also to start my own business. Like being disillusioned by politicians, by politics, how slow things are moving for catastrophes that are that pressuring in the next years. I'm like, okay, I don't have any experience when it comes to climate and how to change that, but I have an idea how to accelerate inclusion at work. So I have to do that. And being inspired by super young people going to the streets every Friday for three years now, it's, it's really inspiring to me. Nice. Is that in Germany? Um, that's globally in Germany, especially in, in Berlin specifically, there's a huge Fridays for Future community that takes to the street every Friday. So they skip school. Um, as Greta Thunberg, um, as, as their role model, mm, okay. um, started the whole, the whole, um, uh, movement and that's, they're still continuing doing that. Nice. Cool. I'll check it out. Um, yeah. And if you have any of those like uh, studies too, that are like handy, like titles or anything that you can send over, I'd be really curious to yes. check those out too. <laughs> A lot of like, them. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. And I'll, I'll share them in the show notes. So anyone who's curious can read up on it. Amazing. Well. Yes. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Suzanne. Thank you for your time and uh, for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Thomas. It was great to have that conversation with you. For sure. And good luck with the uh, collective. I, I hope it goes well. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs>